Turn with me this morning to the uh, to the book of James, chapter number four. Praise the Lord, my brother Dave. I I heard parts of what he was saying in there. It was great Sunday school. Amen, amen. Praise the Lord. James, chapter number four. We're continuing. We're finishing up almost on the Holy Spirit, going through the Word of God, looking at the the purpose and the power and the functioning of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In James chapter number 4, let's start at verse number 1. It says, What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Well, that's a great way to start the morning service, right? What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? But it's good. Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members, your lust and all this other stuff? You don't receive because you don't ask. Isn't it a wonder this world is so messed up, right? And, uh, of course, you expect it of the world who don't know Christ to be, you know, all convoluted and all, you know, in turmoil and whatever. But the Bible tells us that, you know, that the, the Christians, those of us who call ourselves Christians, hallelujah, we are to love one another, aren't we, right? But we know in reality there's a lot of conflict, a lot of quarrels, and a lot of things, disputes, that take place between Christians, Yep, we can say amen because it's the truth, right? We don't live in a fairy tale world where we think all Christians are wonderful and lovely and everyone gets along with each other. That's not the case, is it? Should it be that way? Yes. yes. And so the Bible tells us, brings up, you know, you, we, you can't change things unless you face things. Once you face things, then you can change things. So it's written here, that there are quarrels and conflicts taking place in the body of Christ. But Paul, the writing here is to tell us that there is a way that God wants us to stop those things and to live righteously with Him and for Him. And so if we love God with all our heart, soul, and strength, and we're filled with the Spirit of God, and we look to the Word of God, then we're able to then love one another and help put away or, or, or quench the quarrels and disputes and all kinds of other stuff. But the Bible says in verse 5, Do you think that the Scripture speaks to no purpose, or do you think that the Word of God is in vain when it says that He jealously desires the Spirit which He has made to dwell in us? In James chapter 4, verse number 5. In this version, James chapter 4, verse 5. Nancy, it says, it says, uh, do you think that the scripture says that he jealously desires the spirit which he has made in us to dwell in us? Why does God want his Holy Spirit to dwell in us? Well, he wants his Holy Spirit to dwell in us to give us the power and the ability to live according to the heart of God, according to the ways of God. Because you and I, again, we've been seeing this week after week after week. As much as we would like to, we cannot live the life that God desires us to live in Christ and through Christ unless we have the power to do it. And where do we get that from? A can of spinach? No. Do we get that from eating pasta and meatballs and and hot dogs or things like that? We don't obtain the power to live a Christian life from the natural elements. The natural world cannot supply the ability to live the spiritual life. 
So what, where do we get, where, what, where do we obtain the spiritual nourishment or power to live the spiritual life? Through the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God. We must look to God's Word and we must say, Yes, Lord, I agree that your Word is there and I need the power now to live this, to put this into place and into action in my life. And the Holy Spirit makes the Word of God alive in us and it makes us able to walk the walk. It may, He makes us able to talk the talk. God is desirous over your life. He loves you. He cares about you. And God wants you to do good. Verse number 6. Look at James 4, verse number 6. But, God knows, God knows that there's, there's things to overcome in all of our lives. And God knows that He's desirous for us to have that ability not to be able to, but to actually be in the place where we can say, I've overcome that. I've got victory over that. God, it says, God gives us a spirit, and he says, but he gives greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud. Now, who's the proud? The proud are those who think that they can do things without God. The proud are those who think that they can do things without the working and anointing of the Spirit of God. They, where the proud person says, I can do this. I don't need the, the Holy Spirit. I don't need the power of God. I've got the wisdom and the power, and I've got the whatever it takes, uh, the wherewithal to overcome this. That's being proud. You know, there's a, there, and, but the Bible says here, but God gives grace. God gives grace to the humble. And who are the humble? The humble is not the one who says, Oh, I'll lay down and you just step on me and trample over me and do anything you want to me. That's not humbleness. That's stupidity. That's not being wise in Christ. Humble means my dependency is upon the Lord. On my own strength, I can do nothing. But I need God. I depend upon God. I look to God. I trust God for my supply of, of, of teaching, of learning, of strength, of power. That my life, that in Him I live and move and breathe and have my being. That's being humble. Is saying, my God is my God. And I need Him. I trust on Him. I heard Dave talk about grace a little bit in there. But God gives grace. What is grace? We're not going to teach on grace today, but what is grace? You know, we hear the, the things like unmerited favor and we don't deserve it and all the blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's all true. That's all right. But God gives grace to those who trust Him. What is grace? God, listen, God, when you, we understand who God is and we believe God... God gives himself to you. God, listen, God is giving himself to you, to every one of you. He gave his very son for your life. When you were enemies, when we were enemies with God, the Bible says God gave, gave, gave grace, gave his only begotten son. Not because we were worthy, what? We were unworthy, we were dying, we were dead. But God gave grace, God gave His Son to us that we might live. That's grace. 
God didn't have to do a thing for us, but He did. He gave Himself. Now, we know that God gave us His Son, and that He redeemed us, and in Christ we are what? New creations in Him. But God continues to give Himself. How does He give? Once He gave His Son, Christ, that opened the door for God to give more into your life. Grace. Because you received Christ, that's one thing, that's great. But God says, now that you received my Son, now I want to give you my Holy Spirit. This is grace. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit into our lives is grace. You don't deserve it, I don't deserve it, we don't deserve the power of God in our lives. But God's desire is for you to be able to be more than a conqueror. That you can bring Him glory, that God can work in your life wonderfully and powerfully. So God's grace opens our hearts, opens us up, and pours into us, gives us His Holy Spirit. That's grace. Now how could we ignore that? How could we say His Holy Spirit is nothing or, or His Holy Spirit is grace given unto us. And He gives Him to us for power and anointing so that we can overcome and be victorious in all things. The grace of God is wonderful. You know, the Bible, you know, as, as Dave was saying, there's many kind people come up with all kinds of different Names for grace. This type of grace, this type of grace, and this type of grace. and That's good. But you know, when you look at the world, when you look at mankind, just the mere fact that people who don't believe in God, people who curse God, people who raise their fist to God, people who would take the Bible and burn it, those are people who are against God with all that there is. And, and the devil has a stronghold in their lives. But it's only the grace, by the grace of God, even upon the sinner, that they're not consumed instantly. We were once sinners, every one of us. And God's grace just kept us alive. And God's grace gives every man an opportunity to receive him. That's grace. When we sinned against God, when Adam and Eve sinned against God, God could have just said, wipe them out, they never existed, let's start all over again. But God chose to work out a plan through Christ, and He says, I'm going to give man an opportunity to love me, to, to accept me and receive me and come back. And so while everyone is doing their own thing, it's only by grace, God's grace, that they're able to do even their wickedness. But when we come to Christ, those of us who are believers in Christ, God gives a great uh, outpouring of grace into our lives that enable us to live for Him. It's only by His working and power. Verse number 7. Look at verse number 7 of James. James 4, 7. How many of you have learned math in school? One plus one equals what? Now, you take that for granted? Is that a short thing? Two plus two? Huh? You know, when I was at, uh, when I was at the, uh, the, the, the funeral for my uncle, her, uh, uh, his daughter uh, was one that I grew up with. And 
she was younger than I was. And when she always would, she would study algebra in school, she would get homework, and she was not good with the algebra. I was. I don't know. I just was good with that stuff. So she would ask me to come and help her with her homework, and I did, you know, to help her with the, with the formulas and all this here. But God has a formula that's sure. You know, there are some formulas, if you don't get it right, uh, you know, even with scientists, you can mix formulas together, you mix the wrong ingredients, and poof, you know, there's a problem, right? But if you mix the right ingredients together, you can come up with a, something good, right? And so, as you look at math, 1 plus 1 equals 2, 2 plus 2 equals 4, we don't even think about, is that right? How many of you, when you, when you think of uh, 2 plus 2 is 4, think to yourself, gee, I wonder if that is right. I wonder if somebody made a mistake. Does it, is it really true? Does it really work? How many of you ever think that? No. 2 plus 2 is 4, right? 2 quarters equals what? 50 cents, right? And so, there's a formulas that you don't even have to think about. 1 plus 1 is 2. God's Word has, is, has a spiritual formula for us as believers that works. God doesn't leave it to guesswork. How does, how, how are we going to get victory over the devil? How are we going to, how are we going to be more than conquerors in our life? Well, God gives us, if we listen, if our eyes are open, if we're looking to the word and meditating on it and studying on it, we see formulas that God gives us, spiritual formulas that work. Proof positive. God, we can't doubt God. If God gives us a formula and says, this is a formula that works, what do we need to do? All right, I'll take that formula and apply it and believe it. Yeah, I'll mix the ingredients together and I'm not going to be afraid that it's going to go poof in my face. Huh? You trust God? How many of you trust God? Verse number 7 says, Submit therefore... Because the word therefore means there's going to be results. If you do something, something is going to result out of it. Therefore means that there's a result of something. Submit therefore to God. What does that mean? It means trust God. It means believe God. It means believe His Word. Receive what God wants to give you and has given you. God has given us His Word. He says, read it, meditate on it, say la, pause, think, stop, meditate on the word of God, receive it into your heart, study it, let it get deep into you, and call on the Holy Spirit to make that word alive, that you have the power to live that. It says, submit therefore to God. So the number one thing for, for, for the result here is submission to God. Hallelujah. How many of you want to obey the Lord? We all do. Right? We want to obey God. But it's more than obeying. It's trusting in God that, that He's out for my good. He's the glory and the lifter of my head. So if we trust God and we believe His Word, it means that in our hearts, our desire as Christians is to live the Word of God. And what does it mean to live the Word of God? It means that we've got to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second greatest commandment, which is what? To love your... Look at the person next to you and say, hi, neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so when we love God and love our neighbor, it says submit to God. And then it says resist the devil. 
and he might flee. The devil will think about fleeing. The devil will what? What's it say? He will flee. He will flee. Why? Because you're a son and a daughter of God and you have submitted your life to God and His Word, and that you love God, you're in the process of opening your heart to God and say, Lord, I want to love you more today than I did yesterday. I want to know you more today than I did yesterday. I want to walk closer to you today than I did yesterday. And that doesn't mean you quit your job and go into hibernation or anything like that. You continue to do whatever God has called you to do in this world, but in the process of all things, you're growing closer to God. You're meditating on God's Word. You're, you're putting God's word into action. And there it says, if you submit to God and you resist the devil, he will flee. A lot of people, you know, in the course of my life of ministry, says, you know, oh, the devil's after me, the devil's after me, pray for me, the devil's after me, the devil's attacking me, pray for me. Well, that's all true. Yeah, that's all true. The devil's after every one of us. The devil would try to attack every one of us. There's no exemptions. There's, there's nobody that has a sign up here that says the devil never attacks me. No, that's, that's, that's baloney. That's a lie. But the solution is submit yourself to God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. But submit yourself to God, and in the process, that gives us the boldness and the courage we need. Where do we find that boldness and courage? Holy Spirit, I need the boldness and the courage to do as it says. Be strong and courageous. Hallelujah. Be bold for the Lord. And that can only come through the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit as we look to the Word. And then we resist the devil and he will flee. Not only will he flee, the other formula is this. You draw nigh to God. Look at verse 8. There's another formula. You draw nigh to God. And he will draw near to you. That works every time. If you draw nigh to God, God does not back off or pull away. God says, I will in no wise cast out those who what? Come to me. I will no wise reject. I will no wise cast out anyone who comes to me, Jesus said. And so anyone who draws nigh to God, it's a fact. God's word is true. God does not lie. God is not a man that he should lie. He's, he's, if he said it, he'll do it. And if he promised it will come to pass, God says, if the Bible says, you draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. You want to build your relationship with the Lord? Do something about it. You know, in the bulletin here, my uh, uh, Reverend Ruth got from the paper a little clip and, and I did, we just can't get that out of our mind. It says, get up, dress up and show up. <laughs> and that's what we got to do with God. We got to get up, dress ourselves up with, with, with praise and worship and get and, and show up in God's presence. And that's how we grow. That's how we mature. That's how we draw nigh to God. We've got to take action. You know, we just can't lay down and think that God is going to come in some super spooky way and, and say, okay, rise up and come into my presence and boo boo. No, we got to get up. You got to get up. Right? Get up. Dress up. How do you dress up? With praise and worship. Father, you are my God this day. You're the glory and the lifter of my head. Your compassions are new upon me every morning. Blessed is the name of the Lord. You are my supply. Father, I thank you for the word that you have given me. I thank you for the supply of the Holy Spirit that gives me the power and the ability to do things. 
So you get up, you dress up, and you show up in God's presence. That's drawing nigh to God. And God will draw nigh to you. And God will give to, to us all that we need in revelation knowledge for the day. For our journey with Him. I'm not talking about new doctrine. I'm talking about God will give us the revelation that we need in His Word to get through the situations and circumstances of our life. He gives us the power and the ability. And it goes on and on. And it says, your laughter will be turned uh, to to those that don't believe Him. But it says, humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and He will, in verse number 10, and He will exalt you. God is the glory and the lifter of your head. And as we humble ourselves in the presence of God and say, Lord, all that I am is because of you. I can't be anything or anyone without you. I need you in my life. God is the glory and the lifter of our head. Hallelujah. And so we see that that praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go with me to 1 Peter. 1 Peter, I heard... I heard a brother Dave say, what about First Peter? What about First Peter? Well, here we're going First Peter this morning. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> it just so happens that we're going to First Peter. Praise the Lord. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. First Peter, uh, chapter 1, verse number 2. Hallelujah. First Peter, chapter 1, verse number 2. According to the foreknowledge of God, by the God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, that you may obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with His blood, may grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Or what that means is may grace and peace to you be multiplied. Again, we know one times ten is what? Ten. One times sixty is... 60. One times 100 is 100. That's multiplication, right? And God wants to multiply grace and peace into our lives. What does Jesus say? I've come that you might have life and have it more. He never said less abundantly. Jesus never came and says, uh, I'm going to take things away from you so that your life could be miserable. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Now, number one is God is talking about our spiritual life. Because our spiritual life is more important than our, than our physical life. And the things that we have in this world. I'd rather have an abundance. I mean, I believe God to provide for our needs. And I believe that God is a God who provides for us. But I want my spiritual needs to be full, met in every way. And so our spiritual man, God gives to us wonderfully and and multiplies uh, grace and peace to us. But it says here in 1 Peter, God, God gives us the Holy Spirit in sanctification of the Spirit. What is the working again? Again, you see this. It's a theme. This is a theme throughout God's Word. It's not just in 1 Peter. It's a theme throughout God's Word. God's Holy Spirit is in us to help set us apart. Sanctification, that means setting us apart for God, for His glory, for His work, for His purpose, for His plan. 
And so the Spirit of God sets, uh, works in us to set us apart. We, if you've been following along on the teachings of the Spirit of God, you will see this time and again. And it's, again, it's not a new thing here in Peter. It's a continuation of what God has been saying throughout the Word of God. The Holy Spirit is in us to set us apart for the work and the cause and the purpose of God, for the glory of God, and for your own good. And it says in sanctifying what? For obedience. For obedience. Hallelujah. To submit to God. Because God wants to multiply into your life grace and peace. Peace that passeth all understanding. To guard your heart and your mind. We live in troubled times. The apostles lived in troubled times. The disciples lived in troubled times. And you go from generation to generation to generation to generation. And every generation had troubled times. Huh? There were no, there's no such thing as the good old days. <laughs> the good old days. You hear people say the good old days. Uh, you look back and, and you look at the horse and buggy. And then you look at cars without air conditioning and without shock absorbers. And, and the good old days uh, where you got to go out and shoot your own thing. And then go cook it and pluck the feathers and everything else and whatever and you know there was you know the good old days I'm not making light of anything but every generation has its own troubles and, and trials and world wars and and depressions and all kinds of other things that went before the disciples were thrown into the arena and, t- and, t- and torn apart by lions huh you think we're facing tribulation right now what about those early disciples that were tied up in, in animal skins and thrown into the arena and torn up? How about those disciples that were that were nailed to crosses and lit ablaze, huh? You think that those weren't days of, of t- trouble and trials? And But God gives us His Holy Spirit to give us the power and the ability to live through and above anything that we face in life. And so it doesn't matter what's going on in the world around us. What matters is what's going on inside of you. What is taking place inside of you? Is the Holy Spirit working in you to let you know the love of Father God for you? Is the Holy Spirit working in you to give you a deeper hunger for the Word of God and for the presence of God? Is the Holy Spirit working in you to give you a greater desire to praise and worship the Lord? These are things that should be working and taking place inside of you. If they are inside of us, if they are, it doesn't really matter. Don't get me wrong. Again, I'm not taking light of things. But it doesn't really matter what goes on in the world around us if the Holy Spirit working in us is accomplishing His what He's sent to do. Bring us into that place where we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy, I know you love me. I know you care about me. I know I trust you. I know you're my supply. You're the glory and the lifter of my head. I know that no matter what, you're with me. You'll never leave me nor forsake me. If the Spirit of God is working in you, it doesn't matter. Listen to me. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world around you. Because the Spirit of God in you is the Spirit that it comes to give you love love peace and a sound sound mind how do we keep a sound mind in the world around us 
the Spirit, the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And so when the Spirit of God is at work inside of you, no matter what's going on around you, He's going to keep you with a sound mind throughout the days and the times and the trials. It doesn't matter if it seems like the world system is going to collapse. If the Holy Spirit is working in you and you're allowing Him to work His work inside of you, Lord, I want to love you more than I did yesterday. Lord, I want to know you. Lord, I want your word to be my guide. If you're drawing nigh to God and God's drawing nigh to you and God is multiplying grace and peace in your life through the Holy Spirit, you're going to stay with a sound mind. And you know what? Your sleep will be sweet and peaceful. You know, we used to watch sometimes the news to see at night and to see what was going on. I'd like to, you know, I'm always, I'm not saying don't shut yourself off from what's going on. I like to know what's going on in the world, what's taking place in different parts. But when you watch the news and all the depressing and all the other stuff that's going on and you go to bed, there's some kind of work that makes you restless and can't sleep right. But we decided to turn the news off at night and go to praise and worship or to read the word pray, whatever, and our sleep, and we pray with each other before we go to bed. Holy Spirit, fill us, work with us, and we confess the word of God. My sleep will be sweet and peaceful in the name of Christ. I will have sweet dreams, peaceful rest, that God, while I'm sleeping, you'll renew me and refresh me like the youth and like the eagle, that you'll wake me in the fullness of health, that you'll prepare the day before me to keep me safe, healthy, blessed, prosperous throughout it. And as you do these things, as you trust God and ask the Holy Spirit to work in you, He does. And our sleep has been peaceful and sweet, sweet. And you wake up in the morning and you're, and there's just a refreshment upon you. Why? Because we confessed it over our lives. We confessed it over our lives before we went to bed. Confess God's word over your life when you're going to sleep at night and pray, Lord, my sleep will be sweet. Lord, Holy Spirit, come and give me sweet sleep. Minister to me even while I'm sleeping. Impart into my life even while I'm sleeping. And, and confess God's word over your life. He's come to give you grace and peace multiplied. God doesn't come to your life to give you turmoil or restless nights. He does not. It says that grace and peace be multiplied. Be multiplied. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Not subtracted, not divided, not minus, multiplied to you. And so that is why the Spirit of God comes into your life. And for those things to, to be multiplied to you. Praise the Lord. If you go to 1 Peter chapter 1 verse number 12. Those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven that have preached the gospel unto you with, or the word the Greek there is by, in the power of, the Holy Spirit sent down from heaven. So what does the Holy Spirit do in us also? It sets us apart for God. It gives us a desire to draw nigh to God. And if we draw nigh to God, we cannot come out of God's presence. And we I'm not saying we come out of God's presence. But when we go into God's presence, it changes us. It sets a fire in us. It sparks us up. 
it, it, it ignites us in our spirit, man, that helps us to be able to bring the gospel to others. We then desire to bring the gospel to others. And so those that preach the gospel did it with the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost sent from heaven. Angels desire to look into these things of the working of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Salvation. It says they 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 are, they look into these things. They they're amazed because Christ has done for you and I what He's done for no angel. An angel is not greater than you. You are greater. You are above angels. Angels have power in the spiritual realm to overcome the spiritual the angels of of Satan. God's angels overcome and are conquerors. But angels don't have what you and I have. The Spirit of Christ dwelling in us. The power of the Spirit of God in us. Angels have the power of God. God gives them the power. But God in us has made us to be formed and fashioned after the image of His Son. No angel has been formed or fashioned in the image of Christ. You and I have and are being so. And so angels are ministering spirits sent to serve you and I. How does it feel to have servants? Not slaves, servants. You don't whip them and boss them around and tell them to go cook you a meal and shave and shine your shoes. You don't you don't do that to angels. They're not your slave. You don't command them to do this and that and bow down. No, they're ministering spirits sent to serve you and I. Yeah. Serve you how? To be a help in your in your spiritual journey, in your spiritual battles. Your angels will the holy angels will fight the spiritual fight because of why? Because the word of God is in you. The spirit of God in you is, is confessing the word. When you speak the word of God in the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit, it's as though, listen to me, it's as though God himself is speaking. Because it's his word and it's his Holy Spirit that is bringing that out. And guess what? Angels have to obey the word of God. That's why the Bible says, submit to God, resist the devil. How do you resist him? You speak to him. Devil, in the name of Jesus, get out of my life. Get out. Loose this. Get. You have power. You have power. The Bible says, I've given you power to trample over all the forces of the enemy. And until we understand that and grasp that, that in us is the Holy Spirit who gives us power. And when we take the word of God and read it and meditate and believe it, and we say, Lord, this is your word. It is true. It will not fail. And Lord, I take your word. And by the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, rivers of living water flow out of my life. I'm able to speak the situations and circumstances to devils and demons, and they must flee. It's not a question. It's not a are they? Did they leave? They got to leave. They have to leave. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. He'll be back, but he will flee. 
And that is why we've got to daily, constantly be on the guard for that, for the, for the, for the, for that sneaky serpent who tries to come at us in different ways, in sly ways, in, in the different disguises. But we've got to be able to see through the disguises and through the, through the, through the sneakiness and deceptiveness of the devil and say, aha, and guess what? God, by the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit, gives you discernment in all matters. And it is by the power of the Spirit of God giving you discernment that enables you to rise up in the power and anointing of the Spirit of God and to speak the living Word of God to whatever it is that is facing you and to say, Be thou removed in the name of Jesus. Be gone in the name of Jesus. Jesus spoke to Satan and said, Satan, get thee behind me. He said to Peter. When Peter was saying that, he said, Satan, get thee behind me. He wasn't talking to Peter, the man. He was talking to the spirit that was trying to speak to Peter. And he said, Satan, get thee behind me. And that's what we can say. You can say. I can say. Satan, get thee behind me. And any demon in hell that comes against you, you speak to him in the name of Jesus. Speak to that demon in the name of Jesus. The word of God is clear. Throughout the word of God, as Jesus walked on the face of this earth, he cast out demons left and right. And there was not one time when a demon could resist Jesus. They resisted the seven sons of Sceva. I mean, you remember that that, 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 that guy that they said he, he was trying to cast out demons? And they said, Paul, we know. Jesus, we know. But who are you? Why did they say that to him? Because that person never submitted themselves to God. Therefore, they can say whatever they want, and the devil's going to say to them, Who are you? Huh? I ain't got to listen to you. And what did it say? The demons jumped on him, stripped him naked, and he went fleeing, right, for his life. Why? Because he didn't have faith? No. Why? Because he never submitted himself to God. And if he didn't submit to God, he never had authority, he never had power, he never had the right to speak to those demons. But to those of us who do submit to God, you've got the power to say to those demons, Be gone in the name of Jesus. Come out. Go. And they must. They have to. Leave. So the Spirit of God in you comes to set you apart for the cause of Christ, for the glory of God. They comes in you to let you know that God wants to multiply grace and peace in your life. And God has given us a formula through the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Humble yourselves before the mighty God and he will supply the supply of the Holy Spirit in awesome ways in your life. And so God wants you to be more than a conqueror. He wants to be the glory and the lifter of your head. One plus one equals two. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. But again, we cannot submit to God and be hammering our, using our tongue to cut our neighbor. We can't be using our tongue to, to, to rub someone's face in the mud. And then turn and say, be gone, Satan. We've got to submit to God. Love God. 